Well, again, again, welcome to our service of worship. And I know there are folk um, who don't normally come who are visiting with us today, and uh, there are family events and things going on. So uh, thanks for sharing with us. Um, and just to, to mention one amongst you, and I'm Zoe. And Zoe is, is here this morning. Zoe's back from England, and uh, so I thought I needed to mention and welcome you this morning, Zoe. Zoe, thanks for being with us today. So this morning we're thinking about encouragement, um, encouraging one another. And, uh, and I'm just really glad that Sam didn't know anything about my birthday until after she got here this morning. Otherwise, who knows what might have happened. And um, I had, some have mentioned this morning that, uh, Steve, you look 35. That's really encouraging. Others have said you look more like 70. That's not so encouraging. Um, but we're thinking about encouragement. And often through encouragement, we can do a whole lot more together than we can otherwise. Encouragement is very powerful. There is power in encouragement. It gives another the courage to do what they otherwise may not even attempt. Encouragement is very powerful. Roy Bennett, in his book, The Light in the Heart, says this, Attitude is a choice. Happiness is a choice. Optimism is a choice. Kindness is a choice. Giving is a choice. Respect is a choice. Whatever choice you make, makes you. Whatever choice you make, makes you. So choose wisely, he says. And so the converse is also true. Negativity is a choice. Disrespect is a choice. Selfishness is a choice. Complaint is a choice. Sadness is a choice. Discouragement is a choice. Whatever choice you make, makes you. And whatever choice you make impacts those around you. The choice that you make has an impact on those around you. In his letter to the church in Thessalonica, Paul asked them to make every effort to encourage one another and build one another up. Encourage one another. Build one another up. Paul is saying, choose encouragement. Choose to be an encourager. It's so easy to tear one another down. It's so easy to discourage, to complain. And we Aussies are good at knocking down the tall poppy. And unfortunately, we may even take some pride in that at times. But we Aussies too, I don't think we're proactive in being encouragers. It might be one of the things that you don't like about Americans, but they are great encouragers. 
They seek to build one another up, to encourage one another. We're not quick to go to another and seek to build them up. We'll just keep our trap shut. But as Christians, we need to be encouragers. Now, I think the devil's doing a good enough job already without our help tearing one another down. And so this morning as we, again, we're commencing 2023, we're thinking about being encouragers. And in particular, we're thinking about Barnabas. And he chose encouragement. He's well known for being a great encourager and was faithful and generous steward of what God had entrusted to him. Faithful and generous steward. And he used what God gave him to encourage others. His first mention in Acts 4.36, Joseph was his name. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, he sold a field he owned and he bought the money and he put it at the apostles' feet. He was given the name Joseph. Everybody knew him as Joseph. Joe, Joey, everyone knew Joseph. But the disciples soon gave him the nickname Barnabas and that stuck because he was what they said he was, the son of encouragement. He wasn't the son of thunder, he wasn't the son of anger, he was the son of encouragement. He was an encourager. He's also a Levite, that is he was from the family line of Levi, primary task to within the nation of Israel, was to support the workers of the temple. They were to do the menial tasks that temple worship required. And he perhaps served in the temple in Jerusalem. We don't know whether he did or he didn't. But if he he did, I could only imagine that he must have been most unfulfilled until he became a Christian, until he could live out what was in his heart. And he could be the encourager that he wanted to be. He's briefly mentioned in Acts chapter 9 when it's Barnabas who took Saul. Following Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus, he took Saul to the disciples in Jerusalem to help them to see and accept Saul's conversion into Christianity. An encourager is one who sees the best in others, who looks for their potential and he seeks to draw that out. And that's what... Barnabas does with Saul. He sought to encourage the suspicious disciples and with good reason. Saul was taking every opportunity to to persecute Christians. But Barnabas is the one who takes Saul to the disciples and says, look, he's changed. The Spirit of God has come upon him. He's now a Christian. He's now a believer. And he also wants to give Saul every opportunity to develop his God-given gifts. Imagine if, if Barnabas had not stepped in to be the advocate for Saul. The disciples may well have remained very sceptical of Saul, have kept him at, arm, at arm's length, taken so much longer to begin to trust Saul And how would this have affected Saul? 
a new Christian struggling to find love and acceptance from distrustful Christians. After all, it was, again, Saul who was persecuting Christians, dragging them off to jail. Barnabas was vital in this turnaround and the disciples accepting Saul. Sometimes we struggle to be encouragers of those that we have known their past and we're suspicious of them. We want them to prove themselves before we'll accept them, trust them, give them any opportunity to serve. Can we ask the Lord to help us to be encouragers? Can we ask the Lord to help us to see the best in others, to see their potential, to help to encourage their growth and maturity? Can we ask the Lord to help us to be encouragers? So we come to chapter 11, verse 19. And Luke is describing the beginnings of the the spread of the gospel unto the ends of the earth. He says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews... Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and they began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Following the stoning of Stephen, believers in Jerusalem fled the city, travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, for the most part they were sharing the good news only among the Jews. However, there were some who went to Antioch and they're sharing the gospel among the Gentiles who lived there. And we're told that the, the hand of the Lord was with them and that a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord in faith. This is a strategic move from the Lord that was not dependent upon the twelve, not dependent upon the apostles. Antioch was a cosmopolitan city of commerce and trade. There was great wealth that flowed through this city on its way to Rome. It was something of a a huge melting pot when it came to nationalities and language. It was a a central point of travel, a busy business centre. It was a point from which the church could spread far and wide. Now, I think I need to point something out here. We're We're often very fearful of sharing our faith because we fear rejection or ridicule. So we don't, we don't want to share our faith. We also think that we need to win people over and present our faith in just the right way, otherwise they won't believe. So if I don't have any confidence that I'm going to present the gospel the right way, then I won't present it at all. So we tend to put pressure on ourselves 
But this verse says, the Lord's, <clears throat> the Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed. Conversion is always the work of the Holy Spirit. It is always the work of the Holy Spirit. These people were simply being faithful. Being faithful as they, as they were scattered, they, they shared their faith and they left the results in God's hands. Are we being faithful in sharing the gospel? Or are we allowing fear of ridicule and rejection to stop that? Are we trusting God to do the work? Because it is always the work of the Holy Spirit who brings conversion, who brings conviction. And if we are sharing our faith, then are we leaving the results in God's hands? Will we take the pressure off ourselves and trust God's hand to be with us and upon us with, and with whom, those with whom we share our faith? We trust in God to do the work. Or do we think that it's all dependent upon us? We trust the Lord's hand will be upon us as we share our faith. Now, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the the grace of God had done, he was glad and he was encouraged and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. News that the gospel was being shared among the Greeks, among the Gentiles, and that they were being welcomed into the church soon got back to Jerusalem. And no doubt this was of great concern to those who still maintained that God was the God of the Jews. Thank you very much. God had always been the God of the Hebrews. And so the disciples in Jerusalem, although send Barnabas to check this out, he's the one who had smoothed the waters over with Saul's conversion, so hopefully he'll know just what to do if these reports are true. Unfortunately, it's often the way that the busybody is the one who builds their own sense of worth by reporting back to the leadership what's going on elsewhere and demanding that they do something about it. Often the busybody is also the one who chooses discouragement and negativity that brings the complaints rather than looking for the potential of what could be. What could be? And so when Barnabas arrives in Antioch, he saw what the grace of God had done. He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Remember, Barnabas is is new to this Christianity thing too. He'd grown up under Judaism. He was from the tribe of Levi. He could have been, like many of the Jews, staunchly supportive of Judaism, but he chose encouragement. And when he saw 
what God was doing in the lives of these Greek believers. He saw the transformation. He's filled with joy and he encourages them to, to remain strong in their faith. He's not holding on to the traditions of Judaism. Nor was he concerned that the growth of this new church should remain under the direct control of the disciples in Jerusalem. They're the church leaders. Well, you should come under their control. He recalls Saul's conversion through Ananias, wasn't one of the disciples, through Ananias in Damascus and, and how God had been with Peter to bring Cornelius and Cornelius was a Roman centurion. How he'd brought him into faith. He's very aware that God in his grace is building his kingdom, his family, his why? This is God's kingdom. This is God's family. And he will do it his way. And this comes out in verse 24. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a number of people were brought to the Lord. Full of the Holy Spirit and faith, Barnabas was allowing God to use him to bring many other Gentiles into God's family. And so the church in Antioch is growing. God has his hand upon it. Initially a great number of people believe and turn to the Lord and now through Barnabas a further great number of people were brought to the Lord. He is so pleased that God is building his family, his way. Interestingly, Luke describes him as a good man. A good man he was. But didn't Jesus say to the rich young ruler, only God is good? The context of that discussion that takes place with the rich young ruler is this. He comes to Jesus and he says, good teacher. Tell me, good teacher in other words, good man. And Jesus wanted him to ask himself the question, do you see me as just a good man or a man from God? A godly man. And the reason that Barnabas is described as good is because he's full of the Holy Spirit and faith. He had the spirit of God within him and the fruit of faith in particular was overflowing in him. We are only good because of the goodness of God within us. God's goodness flowing through us by the presence of the Holy Spirit and his fruit developed within us. Thus Paul's admonitions to us to be filled with the Holy Spirit and go on being filled by the Spirit and live by the Spirit. We too can be called good when filled with the Spirit of God, for only God is good. But evidently the work is becoming too great for just Barnabas. Verse 25. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. 
the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Tarsus wasn't that far from Antioch by boat. It was a bit of a journey to get there by land, but it wasn't that far by boat. And so Barnabas must have heard that Saul was nearby. Saul had actually gone back to his hometown to Tarsus for a time. And so he sought him out, and it appears that Barnabas was the senior partner in their ministry. Barnabas and Saul met with the church. For the next year, they worked together and they built the church at Antioch. The Lord blessed their work with Saul, the expositor and teacher, and Barnabas, the encourager. And I think that's a good recipe for the growth and maturity of any church. Expository preaching and encouragement. And at the close of the first 12 months together, the leadership of the church, and so the church has grown and built and the leadership is so much more than just Paul and Barnabas, the leadership of the church is led by the Holy Spirit to set them apart and send them off together on their first missionary journey. Barnabas must have been like a father figure to Saul, at least initially. At least until they part company and go their separate ways in the end of Acts 15. And in that particular account, Saul was not prepared to give John Mark a second chance. But once again, we see the heart of the son of encouragement as Barnabas takes John Mark along with him on his next missionary journey. And I could almost put money on it, if you like, that... Barnabas held no grudges with Saul, wishing and praying the best for Saul and for God's blessing for him as he then takes John Mark with him on his missionary journey. Barnabas wouldn't have held any grudges. He's the encourager. But often in life things don't go the way that we would plan, as it did in this case for Paul and Barnabas or at least for Barnabas it didn't go as planned. But we have a choice to how we will respond. Attitude is a choice. Happiness is a choice. Respect is a choice. Whatever choice you make, makes you. Choose wisely. Roy Bennett also wrote this. Be an encourager. When you encourage others, you boost their self-esteem, you enhance their self-confidence, you make them work harder, you lift their spirits, you make them successful in their endeavours. Encouragement goes straight to the heart and it's always available. Be an encourager, always. God says in in the book of Hebrews, Encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today. What is today? It's today. Encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today. 
Be an encourager. Make the choice to encourage one another. Encouragement brings hope and endurance. It brings growth and maturity. Let us as Christians live differently to the Australian way, live differently to our culture, opposed to our culture. Let us encourage one another. Be proactive in encouraging one another. Let's encourage one another always to see the goodness of God. If you can't find a good word to say about somebody else, point them to God. Encourage them about the goodness of God.